Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, our podcast brought to you on the Believe Podcast Network. We continue to reach out and bring you conversations with experts in the world of sports. Today, we've got a phenomenal guest who is a longtime NFL executive. You might remember him from his time with the Jets or the Dolphins. He was an agent for a short bit. Now he's becoming a prominent voice as an ESPN NFL insider. None other than good friend of mine, Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, appreciate you joining. How is life on the East Coast for you? Dan, things are going great. Great to be with you. Congratulations for all your success. You've been, everything you've done in your career that you've touched, uh, you've thrived, which is no surprise. And uh, proud to be your friend and great to be with you today. Well, it's uh, really nice to reconnect. And, you know, we've uh, started our friendship when you were on the agent side of the business. And I was just kind of getting going in regards to my broadcasting career. Uh, Lo and behold, a few years later, you yourself are in the broadcasting field and creating uh, a really nice platform on the NFL side. I want to get to the football later, but how do you enjoy the broadcasting side of work that you're doing for ESPN? Yeah, Dan, it's been terrific. And I feel like my role in the play is to educate people on what's going on in the league, not uh, like why are certain teams making certain transactions um, there's so many people that are breaking the stories, but very few people trying to explain like behind the scenes what's actually happening. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And, and I think that kind of to paraphrase what you do for them is exactly right. And I think, you know, too many times in this day and age in, in the world of sports media, you want to be the first one to break it. Uh, but there's not enough people that are breaking down the why it just happened and to hear that that is your angle and that's kind of uh, what you focus on is tremendous. Now I want to get into the football and you have the expertise and you are able to explain the why on the broadcasting side, but that came from years uh, spent in front offices in the NFL. There's a lot of student athletes here in the state of Washington that, that listen to our podcast. How does somebody go about getting involved in the world of football? if maybe they're not an athlete that has grown up playing the sport and to grow their network? You know, Dan, to me, it always comes back to one word, and that's to serve. And that could be serving a client. It could be serving a coach. But you want to get your foot in the door. Um, you want to work incredibly hard. And you want to meet or exceed their expectations. And, um, you know, be it football, basketball, being a broadcaster, I always think it comes back to, you know, be passionate about what you want to do. Um, and then serve and bring value and, you know, meet or exceed your boss's expectations. Like to me, those are the same fundamental tenants, uh, no matter what you do that um, separate people, you know, over the long term. There is a path. And I've always agreed with the, if you're passionate about something, you're going to put in um, the hours that are seen, but you're also going to put in the hours that are unseen and you're going to prepare for those opportunities. When I looked back at, 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 uh, some of your bio before we, we started this conversation. 
you know, a lot of people will remember your time as a general manager with the Jets, or they're going to remember, you know, the fact that you were, I believe it was executive vice president of football operations for the Dolphins, but people don't see the first stages of a career and some of the things that you might have done or you will have to do to get your foot in the door. Um, what was the early path for you uh, in the NFL and get your foot really entrenched in the league? Yeah, you know, Dan, um, I proudly started at the bottom. I uh, worked for the New Orleans Saints while I was in law school. And I was very, very lucky because there was a new collective bargaining agreement and it had a salary cap for the first time. And that really, uh, I was so, so lucky because that really just talked about um, being a strategist and understanding like how to pay players appropriately. And uh, I started at the bottom. I drove people to the airport. Um, I was the first one in, the last to leave. It was uh, – just such a, I was really, you know, it's that old expression, the right place at the right time. So um, it just really worked out for me. And when I graduated, I put a uh, book together of um, how to build a team in the salary cap year. And it just it worked out. I, I sent out that book. I got hired by Coach Belichick and moved around quite a bit. But I think fundamentally it comes back to, you know, one of the things we touched on, which is be the first one in, be the last to leave you know, over deliver for your boss. Um, and that's how you become indispensable. And I, I didn't make much money for a long time. And I just worked really, really hard, uh, worked my way up. And uh, for, uh, Coach Parcells and Coach Belichick hired me in 1997 at the Jets and just worked my way up and uh, fortunate to be the GM there for, for a while. And then um, got a chance to represent high quality people like yourself, Dan. And then got a chance to uh, run the Dolphins after that and now with ESPN. So I just feel like unbelievably fortunate that I've been able to do, you know, so many different things. You mentioned two uh, Hall of Fame coaches uh, in Bill Belichick and Parcells. And, you know, you know them on a personal level. You know them on a professional level. I just see the, the media clips. I just see um, watching them on the sidelines or, or in interviews – but there's a, an absolute passion for the game of football from those guys. What else defines passion for the game of football with those guys in your eyes? You know, I think Coach Parcells and Belichick have a lot of similarities, but I think they have some differences too, Dan. You know, just from a standpoint of um, Coach Parcells, I thought had incredible people skills where he could relate to anybody in the room, know how to motivate them, know when to hug them know when to be really, really hard on them. And I think that's what the great coaches are. They have the ability to get the most out of their players. And not all players, as you know, Dan, are created equal. You know, Coach Belichick, I thought one of his real superpowers, Dan, was he had the ability to take a lot of information and distill it down to these three or four things. And one of his favorite expressions was, hey, guys, if we're going to lose, I want to lose by making sure that our opponent is beating us left-handed, meaning we're going to take away our opponent's strength and we're going to make sure that if they beat us, they're going to do something they're not good at. And I thought he was very methodical. I used to go to his meetings. They were very uh, bright-lined, very methodical, very, like, by the rules. Um, and you'd, you'd be shocked how simplistic it was. But football is a game about fundamentals and execution. And he also used to talk about, Dan, um, hey, you know what, guys? Our opponent will lose the game before we even have to win it. So – um, there was just a lot of strategy, a lot of tactics to what he believed in. 
I love the comment that you talked about and in, in that fundamentals were so important uh, for Coach Belichick and his preparation. Uh, I think that's something that unfortunately is overlooked by too many uh, youth coaches and, and players in this day and age. And you have to have a basis of fundamentals in whatever um, profession you go into, whether it's being an, an athlete, whether it's being a front office executive like you were for a, a number of years. When I talk about fundamentals, though, and fundamentals of building a team, when you were putting together a team as a general manager and you had limitations with salary caps and how contracts fit into that, what are the true fundamentals to building a successful football team? Yeah, for, for, for football, I think it's very basic. It starts up front. My first year uh, when I was GM, we, we, uh, had, we drafted two offensive linemen because we had a really poor offensive line. And my feeling was, you know what, guys, it doesn't matter how good our quarterback is, our skill players are. If we can't block the opposing team's defensive line, nothing matters. So we had to fix the offensive line, obviously the quarterback. Um, and then after that, somebody that the opposing team's offense has to account for, either a great corner or a pass rusher. But to me, what's so great about our sport in football is it's the ultimate team game. And without a good offensive line, and oftentimes, Dan, those are – you know, players that are, let's, let's face it, somewhat unheralded in some cases, they, they in as much can impact the game as anything else because you can have a great quarterback or you can have the greatest skilled players in the world, but if you can't block up front, none of that matters. Uh, so true in, in the world of football. If you can't block, uh, you don't give your quarterback, your running back any time uh, to make a play. I, I liken it to basketball with your footwork and the ability to handle the ball uh, to get an offense initiated. I want to ask you now about um, uh, the negotiating of a contract because you've been on both sides now. As a general manager, you have to, to understand where a player's value is in their eyes and their agent's eyes, but also how they fit in your team's structure and your eyes as a general manager. But you've also had to do that on the agent side uh, where you negotiated a couple really good contracts uh, before getting back into the world of football, such as Steve Hurst. How do you negotiate um, a contract on both sides? So I think on the, on the team side, Dan, it starts with um, being a great listener, understanding what's important to the player, his agent. I think from an NFL standpoint, I always try to use the verb allocate instead of spend because at the end of the day, we have a finite set of dollars. So the more you allocate to one player, by definition, the less you're going to have to others. So I think I always just say, hey, I'm the point guard of information here. I want to keep the head coach, the owner um, on the same page and talking to the agent about what we can do. And I always – got confidence through preparation and I you know like Dan you were a great player and I'm sure like your practice habits or how you prepare for a broadcast it's the same fundamentals like as negotiating like I wanted to go in knowing as much if not more than the person on the other side of the table and that's how I gained confidence I would say what's what was different about being on the agent side was oftentimes it was about also trying to manage the client's expectations meaning like hey like look you think you're great. I believe you're great. But at the end of the day, you know, there is a market and we got to stay within it. And we're going to do we, the best we can within that construct, albeit it may not be ideal, but let's make sure that we, we get what we can, you know, on the high end affair within reason. 
professional sports, as, as we both know well, is a business. There's lots of tough decisions that have to be made, um, and many times they can be emotional. Uh, I've been on uh, the, the disappointing end a number of times, whether it was being traded or being cut. Um, as somebody in a position that makes the final decision for a cut, a signing, or a trade, how much courage does it take uh, to make those decisions that are going to impact another person's life? Dan, that, that's, you know, we could talk about this for hours. Such an insightful question by you. I would say I always used to tell our staff, like, unfortunately in football, and look, candidly, I've been on both sides of those conversations with owners in my own career, but in, in letting players go or train them, I, I always used to tell our staff, you know, especially like when we would go from, you know, 90 players down to 63, like you're, you're, you're cutting a, a huge amount of, of people. I always used to say, fellas, look, we have a job to do as professionals and we're going to do that. We're going to make some hard decisions, but as human beings, there's something wrong with us if it doesn't bother us to some degree. So there's nothing wrong with having a lot of mixed feelings today. And, and those would be things we would talk about on cut down day. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a great perspective uh, in how you put that. Cause again, I've went through that a number of times and it, and it never was easy uh, on the player side. And, and uh, if I did get into the front office, I can only imagine that that would have been the most difficult decision for me uh, to make as opposed to who to draft or maybe who to hire as a head coach. Um, now I want to talk about professional sports in general um, because you've been closely affiliated with the NBA or excuse me, the NFL for a number of years. Um, but with all of these social issues that have, have really kind of become forefront um, in the last few weeks, and I guess you could even say the last few years after Colin Kaepernick took a knee, do you, I've always felt that the NBA has been at the forefront of conversations at the forefront of uh, allowing players to be heard. You've been in the NFL for a number of years. Is the NFL getting better at that? Um, and what do they still need to improve, improve upon? Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's right. I think that's fair. And I think part of that, Dan, it comes from, just to be clear, the size of the league. You know, where, let's face it, like the NBA is a player's league. You know, without Giannis and Kawhi and LeBron, it's not the same league. Uh, in the NFL, you're just dealing with such a bigger pool of players. But that said, I, I give Adam Silver – Michelle Roberts, the NFL, uh, the NBA, NPA's leadership, they, they do a great job. I think the NFL's done a better job and can continue to improve where the programs that they come, with, come away with will be, you know, more sustainable than they've been in the past. So um, I, I give the NBA a ton of credit. I think the NFL is going in the right direction, but still has a ways to go. You're with your time during with the Jets. Um, you guys were a part of a, a very popular kind of, I guess, real life sports documentary, um, Hard Knocks. What was it like um, allowing a a film crew in to video almost everything um, day day in day out? It was uh, uh, it was funny, you know, Dan. I was like the last one to want to do that. And it turned out to be a great experience. Like the eyes of the world were on us. We had a great story to tell. Rex Ryan is a what you see is what you get guy. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's a little bit crazy. He's relatable to players. So it turned out to be a great experience. Boy, um, at first, you know, I have a lot of old school, like we talked about earlier, Coach Belichick, Coach Marcells, but it turned out to be a really good decision for us. 
Hey, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I got a one thirty call. Can, can can I call you back to finish this? In maybe like twenty minutes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, we can do that. I'll yeah. Just uh, why don't you text me and then I'll resend you a link. That okay, work? perfect. Yeah, sorry about that. I just have to, uh, yeah, this thing kind of. No problem. All right. Yep. Text me when you're ready. Got a little jammed up. All right. Nope, you're fine. Thanks. So, Mike, you're obviously someone who's had a tremendous amount of, of success in the world of professional football. Uh, but anytime you have a lot of success, you also have a lot of knowledge. And you might have the, the ability someday to be a commissioner of the NFL. Uh, not, not knowing if that is a, is a goal or not knowing that there's a possibility. Um, but you're someone that is well-respected, I, I know, in the circles of football. If you were the NFL commissioner right now, is there one change that you would like to see made to enhance the game or the experience uh, for players and or fans? Boy, that's a great question, Dan. I would, I would liberalize the rule that allows college players to possibly go into the draft but then go back to college because I feel like these are young men that have an opportunity to make truly transformational wealth for them and their families. And when, look, Dan, we've all been 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, and sometimes we make mistakes. And um, so, unfortunately, if you make a mistake now when you declare for the draft and you shouldn't, it's, it's consequential. So I think to the extent that we can allow players to go back and resume their eligibility would be a great thing for our sport long-term. And I'll tell you why. The big difference between football and basketball as it relates to this is LeBron James, you know, the, 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 the true difference makers, it's apparent how great they are as early as whatever, the ninth, 10th grade. Because of the physicality of pro football, Dan, sometimes the bodies just mature and evolve differently. And therefore, it's not what a person looks like at 18. It's different at 20 and 21. And I just don't like when players leave schools early. They don't get drafted. And now they, there's really, like, no safety net within that system. Yeah, I had never heard that as an idea for the, the football uh, draft like it is in the NBA. And I would love to see something like that come to fruition because – I don't disagree with you. I think there's a lot of guys in all sports that kind of fall through the cracks. That They're very good, but maybe they were misguided um, in their preparation or misguided in where maybe they fall at that particular time and they make a mistake in entering a, the draft for any particular sport too soon. Um, so great point there. Last question, Mike, before I let you go, um, would be you've had success – in the broadcasting world now, you had a lot of success in the front office. Do you see yourself getting back into a front office or do you have, are you getting such fulfillment working in the broadcast side of things that you want to just stay on that path? For me, it's about people, people, and people. Um, when I was in the front offices, I, I learned so much from so many people. It was very fulfilling. When I was a agent and representing people like yourself, I never hung up the phone, Dan. and didn't feel like I didn't learn something. And now, as we talked earlier on this pod, you know, there's so many people that are out there saying what's happened. And I feel like my responsibility is to explain why it's happening. It's been very, very fulfilling. ESPN has been tremendous. So while you never say never, uh, I'm very happy and content with what I'm doing. And like I said, as long as I feel like I'm learning and growing, 
that's really the most important thing for me. Well, I truly appreciate your time, Mike. It's nice to reconnect. It's been too long since we've talked, um, but I appreciate your time jumping on the ISO with me, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. Wish you nothing but the best, and thanks again for joining. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I apologize for the uh, choppiness here, but really appreciate you having me. Great connection, and uh, congratulations on all your success. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.